Lord God, we just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your plans and your purposes for us, Lord God, that we would know your love, God. I thank you, Jesus, for Lord, the way you've revealed that to us. Lord, for different ones of us at different times in different ways and Lord, the things you've spoken to us in the past. Lord, I just pray this morning that you might just refresh, Lord, that that fullness of joy in you that we maybe once had and we maybe are struggling to have right now, Lord God. I just pray this morning that you might bring to remembrance, Lord, those dreams and visions that you've spoken to us, Lord. Lord, maybe if there's someone here today and they, they've never fully understood what you did for them, Lord Jesus, why, why people go to church every Sunday? It seems a bit over the top. God, I pray this morning that they would see the, the fullness of what you have done. Lord God, that we would just be fully amazed at, Lord God, your love for us, that we would be inspired, that we would be refreshed, that we would, Lord, just know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper because, Lord Jesus, you have conquered it all. We just thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us. Give me your words to speak, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wasn't able to go yesterday, but I heard about the Franklin Graham crusade. Actually, I think that's in Perth, that one there. Franklin Graham, uh, Billy Graham's son, who's been traveling around Australia. And I saw the Philippines too recently, I think, as well. And uh, was anyone able to go down last night to the Franklin Graham? Not really anyone. Okay. They might be still down there. Okay. <laughs> but uh, look, I, don't, I, was, I was having a quick look on Facebook to see what, uh, how it all went last night. But uh, sort of in my very quick scan, saw a few posts and things, but don't know a lot about it. But I'm sure that lives were touched last night. When the gospel is preached, lives are changed. And I just want to give thanks to God for that. I was thinking about Franklin Graham, and I don't know a lot about his journey. Um, I believe there was a time when he sort of wandered away for a while, but he's come back to God. And, and what an what a opportunity to be mentored by Billy Graham, one of the, one of the great men of the faith, you might say, um, to be raised as, a, as the son of Billy Graham. And I know Billy Graham's affected many people, and probably even people in this room. I wonder if you've ever asked that question of, or, or, or thought, I, I wish I had a mentor. I wonder if you've ever asked that question. I've, I've at times in my life sought out mentors and, and um, as a Christian, as a person, as a, as a father, as, as a cyclist when I was, when I was, one, when I was one of them. Um, I've, I've sought out mentors and I've, I've intentionally made time and space and, and, and invited someone out for a meal or, or had a coffee with someone to to sort of say, look, I want to hear your wisdom, and I encourage you to do that. But this morning, you know, I want to say that you can be mentored by some of the greatest people of faith the world has ever known. You have a Bible. Well, I hope you have a Bible. You have a Bible that you can open and you can read and you can learn about the lives of some of the amazing people of faith in God's Word. You can learn about Moses. You can learn about Abraham. You can learn about Paul as we're going in a moment. <laughs> but you can be mentored by these people's lives as you read about them, as you see their lives, as you get to know them. Uh, I know going through uh, Nehemiah a few years ago as we were studying the book of Nehemiah, I felt like I really got to know Nehemiah, that I understood this guy, that this guy became a, a friend of mine almost. And as you study the Bible, as you study God's Word, you can be mentored by James and Timothy and, and John, and, and these people can become great mentors to you in your life. Don't ever feel like you, had, you don't have a great mentor, because you've got the Bible, the Word of God. So this morning, we're going to open the Bible. We're going to look at this guy, Paul, one of the great men of faith that we read about, who wrote most, oh, 
a majority of the New Testament that we read today. And we talked about him last week, about his zeal as a Jew, his passion to uh, persecute Christians to begin with, but then he meets Jesus and his life was transformed. And from that point, he went about changing the world around him. And even still today, his life and the letters he wrote is, uh, are changing the world. And we talked about Acts 7 and 8 and 9 through that journey Paul went on, Saul or Paul. And uh, then in chapter 10, it sort of moves away from uh, Saul's, Paul's life. And it talks about Peter and Paul, Peter and then meets with Cornelius and he sort of discovers that the, the, the gospel message really is for Jews and for Gentiles. It's for everyone. And we next read about Paul in chapter 11, verse 25. And it says, Barnabas seeks him out. Barnabas goes to find Paul, and I almost feel like it's a bit of a old wise Barnabas going to find young, young fiery Paul and sort of say, hey, let's spend a bit of time together, mate. <laughs> this could be good. And it says they spend a year together and they, they preach the word, they teach, and I, I just imagine them sitting and reading God's word together and, and discussing it and, and, and having a, a beautiful year together, growing in their own faith. And then in chapter 12, it goes on to uh, Peter's thrown in prison and then the chains fall off and he walks out and he goes to the, the house and they all, he opens the door and he goes, Ah, oh, it's Peter! And then he shuts the door, you know that story maybe. Anyway, look it up, it's funny. Um, and you've got Peter that has this miraculous um, saving from prison. But then on the other hand, you've got this guy James who gets imprisoned for his faith and then put to death. And I just want to focus on that for 30 seconds and say we've got to understand that God creates every one of us and we can be great men and women of faith but God can choose to use us in different ways. Some people are put to death for their faith and God chooses to allow it to happen. It's not that they have a lack of faith, it's that God chooses to use that life in a certain way. But then on the other hand you have got miraculous escapes like Peter's You've got miraculous recoveries, you've got healings and things, but sometimes God chooses to use us even in and through the pain. And I want to encourage you in that this morning if you're going through some trials. And then chapter 13, it talks about how the Holy Spirit speaks and, and leads Paul and Barnabas, P and B, to, to go, to go out. And of all the places God could have sent them to, he sends them to Cyprus. Now, I've got to say, I think as I was preparing this message, I'm just feeling, I wonder if maybe God's calling me to Cyprus. Um, because I don't know if you know anything about Cyprus, so I'm going to give you some geography lessons right now. Um, you've got Cyprus there, just below Turkey, sort of around the, the uh, Mediterranean Sea there, sort of nice warm water. Um, let's zoom in a little bit, there's, there's Cyprus. And uh, if you had a little bit of a look around, at some photos of Cyprus, it looks like a sort of place that Paul would have really been struggling to want to go to. Um, like those pristine beaches, um, those waters. Actually, is that, are they fish down there? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, Cyprus. Just, I, I'm just wondering if God's maybe stirring me to go there on a mission trip. I'm not sure. Um, no, I'm just joking. I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, Paul and Barnabas. They decide. Yep, the Holy Spirit's calling us, and we go. They go to Cyprus. It says they preach the word of the God. The word of God. They go around to the the synagogues and teach and preach. And they go to uh, Paphos, and the governor of Paphos wants to meet with them. And I just want to have a look at two things that happen in, the, in Acts chapter 13. There's two 
powerful yet very different experiences that happen in that next part of chapter 13. And I just want to read um, from verse 9. It says this, Saul, also known as Paul, so this is meeting with the governor of Paphos and uh, one of his mates who happens to be a sorcerer. Uh, Paul, also known as, sorry, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. He's kind of fairly laid back about it all, isn't he? Um, Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now. That's an interesting phrase when you read about what happens next. Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. Hard to watch when you can't see. Anyway, You will not see the sunlight for some time. And it goes on, he says, Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around and begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer. It's kind of, I don't want to be blind. I believe. For he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Now I've got to say, I don't know of any person that has ever had God speak to them in a way like that and say, you're going to be blind. And bang, they're blind. That doesn't happen very often. But it's a powerful moment that God works through Paul as the Holy Spirit moves him to speak those words out and he moves in a, in a miraculous, powerful way. The second one I want to look at is very different. It's a, a moment when uh, Paul very carefully explains the hope that he has. He uses some very clever language, you might say, to explain the hope that he has. And we know that Paul said himself that it's not about clever language or speech, and we don't have to worry about what words we might say and feel like we aren't good enough to share the gospel with other people. But at the same time, Paul is very wise in the words he uses. He talks about how, brothers, we are all men of Israel, and he says, we know the hope that God has given us, and our father Abraham was a wonderful man, and these things, and we are together, have been waiting for the Messiah, and he finally says, but he has come. He sort of gets them on side and he says, but guys, Jesus is that Messiah. And we read in verse uh, 9, he says, Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in, in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. And then just skipping along to verse 42. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, as Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism were followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We see Paul uh, moved by the Holy Spirit to, to speak over this man's life, and this miraculous, powerful situation occurs. But then you have a few, well, we don't know exactly how long later, he, he just simply stands and declares the truth about Jesus. And God powerfully moves through that situation too and that ex- experience. And I want to encourage you this morning that we want to be wise in the words we use, but also allow God to speak to you by His Spirit to pray for people. And I don't necessarily encourage you unless God speaks in a very definite way to you about praying for people to go blind. 
But uh, maybe you can pray for someone to be relieved of blindness or for healing to come to their body, that God might move powerfully, that people might also come to faith through our, through our teaching, through our explanation of the hope we have, but also through the Holy Spirit power working in us. This morning, though, I want to focus on a diff- the passage just after this in Acts chapter 13, verse 44 to 52. I just want to take a few minutes to have a look at that. And I encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, to open up to Acts chapter 13 and, and read along. Maybe you're already there. Fantastic. Acts chapter 13, verse 44 says this. It says, The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. This is after they've preached and they've said, Come back. It says, Almost the entire, entire city turns out. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. When Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord God gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. Not an incredibly joyful moment. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of the rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were distraught and saddened and overcome with grief. No, that's not what it says. It says, and the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want to be the kind of believer that even when I'm driven out of town by an angry mob and probably had some stones thrown at me too, that I leave that town being filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want to be the type of person that even when it seems like the world is against me, that I look to my Saviour and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with the joy of the Lord. I wonder if that's how you desire to be. I want to share just a a few thoughts about this passage this morning. It says in chapter 14, uh, chapter 14 begins by saying, the same thing happened when they went to the next town, and then it goes on to the next town, and the same thing happens there, and the same thing happens in the next town, and the same thing happens in the next town. Time and time again, this pattern's repeated. It says, first of all, they they follow God's leading, and they preach, they go, and they, they do what God says. Many lives were touched. I just want to pause there for a moment and say, never neglect to acknowledge and praise God for what He is doing. It's so easy to think about the trials and the challenges and the persecution that might come, but never forget to praise God and thank Him for what He has done and is doing. We can get so easily distracted about all the other things. Praise God, we've got a baptism next Sunday. Baptisms are one of my most exciting things in my life because it's not just someone saying, yep, I believe in Jesus. It's someone saying, I believe in Jesus I've come to a point of faith and I'm surrendering my whole life. I'm burying that old life and I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. It's a conscious decision to say, I've made this choice and I'm going on with it. And I think as a church, we should be celebrating 
like celebrators <laughs> whenever there's a baptism. And praise God, we've had many baptisms over the last 12 months, and I want to celebrate that. I want to thank God for that. We've had many kids and youth and older people as well come to faith in Jesus Christ over this last 12 months. Let's never neglect and ignore what God is doing in people's lives because it's a person that God loves, He's created, and He has given life. And it says all of heaven rejoices. Let's be ones that rejoice with Him. So they follow the Lord's leading, they preach, many lives are touched, but then others get angry and jealous and they start to stir up trouble. They reject the message and they make life hard. And literally they start throwing stones at them sometimes. They try and get them put to death sometimes. It says though that they move on and they continue to preach. And it says they followed God's leading to the next place and many lives are touched there and then some others rise up and they persecute them and drive them out of town and then they move on and they continue preaching and they follow the Lord's leading and it happens again and again and again and again and again and again all through Acts and for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years that same pattern is continuing on this earth today. Someone was sharing about our offering for Jayapura uh, earlier and I was just thinking through the week about Jayapura, that place we went to. We were kind of warned... Just be really careful what you say, <laughs> especially in public, because we didn't know what might happen as a result of, of preaching the name of Jesus. That's a place where you've got to be very careful and you very possibly can be persecuted and even arrested for preaching the name of Jesus. That pattern is still continuing today where the name of Jesus is, is lifted up. People are thrown into prison and even put to death around the world today. And let's be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are facing that kind of persecution even right this very minute. Let's continue to pray for them. And it's continued and it's continued and it's continued. I wonder whereabouts in that pattern, in that cycle we're at right now in your individual life. Are you one that's just being stirred by, by God to go out? Are you really feeling God's leading to go and you're beginning to, to share with people or maybe some friends at your work or are you just really feeling the stirring of God to share with people right now? Maybe you're seeing people's lives around you being touched by the gospel. Give thanks and praise to God if you are. Or maybe you're in that third place that people are coming against you and saying, would you just be quiet? Would you stop talking about your churchy stuff, what you do on Sunday, they almost be crazy people, we're not, well, I don't think we are, <laughs> maybe you're feeling the persecution, maybe you're feeling like you're being driven out of a place, maybe there's persecution and hard times in your life right now, or maybe you're in that place that you're already saying, you know what God, lead me on to the next place, lead me where you want me to be, that I can continue to proclaim your love to other people. Hopefully none of us are in that place of being angry and jealous and bitter and making life hard for anyone else. If we are, God help us to change our heart. God change our heart. Give us forgiveness for one another and to be able to move on. I want to make three brief points about this passage and what I think we can learn from Paul's life as we look at these passages. And the first one is this, the crowd is fickle. I heard a sermon all about that phrase, the crowd is fickle, 17 years ago by Jürgen Matesius. And I think I can almost remember that whole sermon word for word because I listened to it about a few times. 
And he talks about blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who sat by the road begging. This blind beggar, whose name we don't even really know, other than he was the son of Timaeus. And he talked about how this guy sat beside the road begging, and, he's, and he heard Jesus was coming. And he hears Jesus coming, and he starts yelling out, Son of David, have mercy on me! Son of David, have mercy on me! I'd imagine that this blind beggar is sitting by the road, and he's thinking, finally, maybe God would restore my sight. Maybe God will heal me. He's crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd turns around. They're like, would you be quiet? It's like, stop bothering him. Go away. Be quiet. You know what the Bible says? It says, he just shouted, yelled louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. He pays no attention to the crowd. And it says when Jesus finally comes along, Jesus stops and he says, call that man to me. Call that man to me. And suddenly, you know what the crowd says? Cheer up. Or one translation says, be of good cheer. <laughs> like, I love that. It's very, very English. <laughs> be of good cheer. He's calling you. Come on now. What are you worried about? And so like suddenly Jesus has said, I want that guy to be with me. So they're all like, oh, he must be all right. Oh, cheer up, buddy. It's all good. One minute they're saying, would you be quiet? Would you go away? Just leave us alone. Stop bothering Jesus. Stop annoying us. And then suddenly it's, oh, it's all right. Cheer up, mate. We're on your side. The crowd is fickle. Jesus walked into town one day riding on a donkey. didn't walk. He rode into a town riding a donkey. And they waved palm branches and lay their coats down at his feet. And yet days later they said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The crowd is fickle. Opinion polls are fickle. We can't trust the opinion of people around us. The crowd is fickle. Paul faced great uh, encouragement at times. Actually, I want to point out uh, in verse 11, it says, after healing a crippled man in Acts 14, it says, when the crowd saw Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. And it says that they wanted to worship him. They wanted to bow down and they, wanted, they started trying to make sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. And Paul's like, no, no, don't do that. I'm not a god. I'm like you. I've messed up. I'm a sinner. And he's tr- doing everything he can to stop them sacrificing to him. But then a couple of verses later, we read in verse 8, and it says, but... Even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. And then this happens. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium who won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. One minute you've got these guys wanting to worship him and sacrifice and and bring these offerings to Paul and Barnabas because they think they're gods. And then possibly minutes later you've got these same people saying, Kill him! And they're throwing stones at him until they think he is actually dead. The crowd is fickle. People might praise you one day for your love for them and your, your good deeds around them. And the next day, we don't know what the crowds around us will do. The crowd is fickle. We cannot allow people's reactions to dictate our direction in life. We cannot allow people's reactions to us following God's leading and prompting in our life to dictate our direction. Okay, God, I spoke up and I I said that thing to that person and they shoved it in my face. I'm never doing that again. We can't be like that. 
We can't allow people's reactions to us to stop us being the people God's called us to be. And sometimes that's, that's infinitely hard. But God, give us grace and humility to come back to God and say, God, help me. Please help me. Lead me on. Shake the dust from your feet if you need to and say, God, which way next, Lord? We must follow the Word of God. It's the thing to follow, not the crowd. The second thing I want to point out this morning is that words are powerful. It says in verse 49 of chapter 13, So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. They stir up trouble. They come and they speak words of deception and possibly lies. They, they bring doubt and jealousy and anger. Those words that they speak stir up a, 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 an anger in that city that drives them out of town. It says they shook their feet as a sign of the rejection and went on to the next town. I just wonder, who else might have heard the gospel had Paul and Barnabas be able to stay? Who else might have heard the gospel and, and been saved if Paul and Barnabas had stayed another week to preach the gospel? Our words are so powerful and we need to be so careful the words that we speak that we don't stop people coming to Christ. We're ambassadors of Christ. God help us to never speak idle words. Paul says, I never want to speak an idle word. Let's ask God to help us to tame our tongue. James chapter 4. Verse 1 to 5 says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Or in today's language, you can steer a massive truck with power steering just with a couple of fingers and go wherever you want to go. Or verse 4, A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that, can, that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. We can set a forest on fire in a, in a great way or in a very, very bad way. Our words are powerful. For, for evil or for good, words can change people's lives. It can change people's eternities. God help us to guard our tongue and speak words of life. I want to bring a person who speaks words of life and never tears down, never brings discouragement, never brings jealousy or anger upon others, never want to stir up those kinds of things. Words are powerful. Paul faced plenty of words of opposition, but he continued on. Number three, pursue the prize. It says in verse 52 of chapter 13, And the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They're chased out of town by that angry mob, and they're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I believe because they kept their eyes on the prize that Jesus is our Savior. God is the God of heaven and earth. He loves us, and no weapon formed against us will prosper. No matter what man will do to us, we have the victory through Jesus Christ. He is our prize. He is our deliverer. He is my strength. He is my overcoming Savior and God. Nothing in this life can destroy what God has given to us in heaven. We, may, we will face trials in this life, but praise be to God. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can have strength, even in opposition. Pursue the prize.
Let's never lose our focus on God's passionate love for us. It's not about our passion. It's not about what we might achieve or accomplish. It's about His passionate love for us. I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. If we ignore sin in our life as Christians, what does that speak to those around us who know we're followers of Jesus Christ? God help us to deal with sin in our lives. None of us are perfect, but we need to deal with sin. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Who initiates our faith? Jesus does. Who perfects it? He does. But let's keep our eyes on Him. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Let's never lose our focus on God's passionate love for us. God passionately, passionately loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that you and I could be set free from the power of sin and death, that we could have relationship with Him in this life and eternal life with Him. Let's never lose our focus on His love. Maybe this morning you feel like the mob has turned against you. You, maybe you feel like you're on the run and you just don't know where to turn. It feels like there's just no place of safety. There's just no place of peace. There's no place of, of, of rest. And I want to encourage you just to fix your eyes on Him again this morning. Pray for those people who persecute you. Pray for those people who speak lies about you. And ask God to help you keep your eyes on Jesus. I pray that you would know the filling of His Holy Spirit day by day. I pray that the joy of the Lord would be your strength despite all the obstacles and barriers that might be facing you right now. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to listen to a song. I just want to encourage you to, to, to be ministered to as we listen to this song in a moment. Paul's life was no easy thing. Paul faced all kinds of obstacles and difficulties, but I so want to be like him that he kept pursuing the goal. He kept his eyes on Jesus and said, God, whatever I face, I want to live this life for you. I want to know your love and I want to share your love with those around me. This morning we're going to sing this song. It starts off, he says, how great the chasm that lay between us. You know, we had a chasm that, that separated us from God, which is sin. But Jesus came to, to, to bridge that gap, to make a, a way for us to have relationship with Him again. God is a pure and perfect and holy God. And yet Jesus gave His life as a sacrifice for our sin. That mountain we could not climb. Let's just put the next one.
In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the light. This morning as we listen to this song, I want you to think maybe about Paul, about the, the, the desperation he was in. Maybe you've got a chasm between you and some other people. Maybe there's a chasm you feel like between you and God right now. And I want to encourage you just to listen to these words and just to focus on God's love for you. In maybe desperation this morning, turn to heaven, turn to God. Open your heart to Him this morning and say, God, please help me. Help me get over this, this grief. Help me to forgive that person. Help me to, to know your calling for me. Help us, Lord, to see past what the crowd around us might be saying. Help us, Lord, to hear what you are saying to us. Lord God, I just pray that as we listen to this song now, that, Lord God, you would just minister to people's hearts this morning. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring healing, that you would bring refreshing that God, your word, your word, which is most powerful of all, Lord God, would drive out. Lord, it would break the power of words that might have been spoken over us in the past. Lord God, you would give us a new heart with new and right desires. That Lord, you'd give us words to speak, words of life, words to, to encourage and build up those around us, words to explain the hope we have. And that, Lord God, we might keep our eyes on you throughout all we do in this life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just allow God to minister to us now as we listen to this song. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb in desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. There is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what I could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame thank you lord god your word says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion to seeking someone to to devour, but Lord God, that you speak and give life, that Lord, you have come to set us free, and Lord God, I just pray that every person in this place might know the freedom that you've come to give, Lord, not, not freedom to go out and sin and do whatever we feel like, Lord, but freedom to live the life you've called us to, freedom to know you as our Saviour, freedom to raise our hands in worship and in victory. We just give you thanks and praise today, Lord God, for your greatness, your great, great love for us. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. So this morning, if you're going through a challenge and you'd love someone to pray with you this morning, please feel free to come down the front. We'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you want to turn to the person beside you and say, hey, that's me. I just need some prayer this morning. Can you pray? And if we, we just want to stand with one another this morning to encourage each other. I think if we can't ask people to pray for each other at church, where can we pray for each other? So this morning, if you're, if you're in that place, don't leave without asking someone to say, hey, can you just pray for me? God loves you so much. And uh, I just want to encourage you that if you've never prayed before, if you've never talked to God and said, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me, this morning, you can just say, God, I get it. Jesus, you died for me. And I want to... I want to say thank you. Help me, Lord, to know your plans for me. If you pray that prayer this morning, if you will ask him, I I, I believe and I know with all my heart that God will answer your prayer. He will lead you forward in those things. If you'd like to talk to us some more about that, we'd love to have a conversation. Maybe there's someone you came with that you can sort of say, hey, that's me too. Maybe you can talk to myself or someone or one of the leaders here at CFC. We'd love to walk walk that journey with you. It's the best journey you can ever go on. God bless. Have a, have a great day and just respond now as God leads you to and uh, have a great day. God made it. Amen. Amen. God bless.